0: Hello and welcome to Story Revolution, episode 3. Today we're going to be talking about Forrest Gump, my experiences getting lost on a cruise ship when I was a little kid, and some more stories in Genesis, more stories in Genesis, sorry about that, going all the way from Noah and the flood and making it all the way to Abram, um, the promised one of God. So let's get started. Welcome to Story Revolution with your host, Michael Hernandez, your very own local Cuban. Alright, so, why Forrest Gump? Well, that's a good question. And I think I have a good answer. And the answer is because I've seen it like 37 times on TBS and um, it was just one of my favorite movies when I was a kid. Uh, So that's pretty much the answer. But really, why Forrest Gump? Well, I think... For those of you who have seen Forrest Gump... um, Maybe you know how addicting it is of a movie to watch... uh, In a lot of weird ways... But for those of you who haven't seen it... I'll give you kind of the background of Forrest Gump... Forrest Gump is a movie about a guy... Whose name is Forrest Gump... Probably the first really major plot twist... um, Really before the M. Night Shyamalan era... That had the plot twist of Forrest Gump... Where the character's name is actually Forrest Gump... Um, So anyway this character, Forrest Gump, he is this uh, guy with some kind of learning disability. You don't really know what it is. You just know that he has some kind of social dis- social disability and some kind of learning disability. And so that sets him up to have this kind of below average life, you would think, because he's living in Greenbow, Alabama, which is a small town, and he's um, already, guy who's not this super intellectual guy. He's not super charismatic. He's just kind of a normal dude. But he ends up having this amazing life that touches so many different things. That he ends up being a college football star because he has this ability to run like nobody's ever seen. He ends up being, um, you know, the famous line "Run, force, Run." He, he ends up being this famous football star and going to the White House and meeting the pres, the president. Then he ends up going to Vietnam, signing up for the war and. Going and speaking at one of the biggest marches on Washington and in the protest of the Vietnam War, he ends up, um, you know, doing all these hilarious things in, in this crazy, kind of wacky sense because he has no idea what he's doing. He has no idea um, really the significance of the war that he's fighting, he has no idea the significance of the events that he's going through. He meets president after president. He meets famous figures like John Lennon and all these things. He ends up being a national ping pong champion and a world ping pong champion. It's just one story about this guy's life and this guy you don't expect to be this um, amazing story. And it turns into this wild adventure. Um, But really, at its heart, it's a love story. It's about a man who loves this girl, Jenny. I think the amazing thing about the movie Forrest Gump is how much history it goes through. Because, like I said, it goes through um, him playing in college football to Vietnam. But if you know anything about that time, then you know there was also a lot going on with colleges and segregation and dealing with um, America's really recent dark history of coming out of the slave, slave trade, then coming out of the segregation era, and then moving into integration of schools and integration of colleges. He's dealing with things like the Vietnam War, and he's dealing with, obviously, all of the brutality that was actually the war itself, and then dealing with the political spectrum when he's home. He's dealing with just so many different things, and but, his, but the lens that you're seeing it through is his lens. You're seeing it through this lens of Forrest Gump. So you're not getting all these political opinions and, you know, this... This character who's driven to make a difference in the war, who's driven to do this, who's driven to do that. You're actually just getting a character who's in love with a girl and who's kind of wide-eyed at the world around him. And while he can do um, these amazing things and while he participates in so many amazing things in history, he really doesn't see it like that. So you kind of get this amazing view of history because you seamlessly walk through like 20 years of major American events – Um, they also had Watergate was in the movie. They had, um, the shrimping industry, um, and the effect of, uh, hurricanes on the shrimping industry and, and just a bunch of other like little things. And it's too hard to say because it actually, when I start talking about it all, it doesn't make it sound like a cohesive story. It actually makes it sound like so jumbled and crazy, but it's so seamless the way that you're just watching this one guy go through his story of trying to find this girl that he loves and even though you pass all these major events in history because the storytelling is so focused on really trying to keep it about his love for this girl while you see this huge background and this huge um, while you see this huge expansive background that the story is told in which is, you know, the Vietnam War and all those things you really are just caught up in the love story and that's what I think is so beautiful about this story and that's what I want to make the point with Forrest Gump this week the point of Forrest Gump and the point that I'm bringing up this movie is because I believe that, that this movie actually shows us something really amazing about storytelling. That when you tell a good story, you can actually help somebody understand what it was like to be in a certain place at a certain time. But you just can't focus on that. So when you tell a good story, somebody can actually get the feeling of what it would have been like to be there at a certain time. It, like, it puts you in that place. You You kind of know what it would feel like... To be in the U.S. during um, this time of integration, um, during, you know, the Vietnam War, um, during all these things. Because you heard this guy, you saw a story, you saw the background that his story took place in. And you noticed it and you noticed how things around him were changing and you noticed um, how history was unfolding before his eyes. And it was kind of beautiful. And so I think that's a that's a key point to stories and that's why storytelling is so amazing because you can actually teach somebody so much about what it would have been like to be somewhere and what the feeling was like and what the time was like and what the place was like and what the people were like, but you don't necessarily have to give somebody a history lesson. You don't necessarily have to sit down and walk somebody through all the ins and outs of um, the Vietnam War or communist China or America's... Um, relations to China and all these things, you can actually just tell stories that that uh, take place in those um, that take place in those times and take place in those in those areas and I think that 's the awesome thing about storytelling is the storytelling can actually absorb you in to a world. Um, Forrest Gump is proof that you don't even have to focus on it because the focus of Forrest Gump wasn't the Vietnam War. It wasn't college football. It wasn't integration in the South. It wasn't all these things. It was just happened along the way in the story and you as the viewer were taken in. So when you're telling stories, hey, just be com- confident that people are being taken in by your stories and they're really loving it. Um, they're really getting a sense for what it would have been like to be where you were at a certain time. So maybe you went through something crazy or were in a part of the world when there was um, disaster striking or when there was amazing accomplishments or something. And maybe you don't fully understand what was going on with everything, but you can tell the stories of what it was like to be there. And you can tell your story. You know, like I have stories of what it was like being a little kid when the Twin Towers fell living in North Jersey, really close to New York. And I can tell you what it was like being a kid at that time. I can't tell you all the complexities of 9-11 and the response of America and what our duty is as a nation and all those things, but I can simply just tell you what it was like to be a kid and what it was like to go play on the playground and what it was like to go to school the next day. And I can tell you stories about that. And maybe you can get a picture of what it would have been like to be there. Stories have a beautiful way of... Taking people into a time and a place where maybe they didn't have the luxury of being. And it can actually absorb them in without making it the focus of your talk. And people love expansive stories. People love stories that take place in different times and places and cultures and everywhere. And they feel like, and they get to feel like they're a part of it. That's the awesome thing about storytelling, right? And also, most importantly, it can teach you without addressing certain things. It can teach you about the complexities of the the Vietnam War and forces case, or it can teach you about um, a little bit, not all of it, obviously. It can teach you a little bit about the complexities of Vietnam, a little bit about the complexities and of all these different things of segregation at that time, because it's just telling a story and it knows that that story passes through those points in history. So it can teach you without really addressing. And it can show you how much one person touches the world. And I think that's the most beautiful part about stories. Is that when you tell a story and you really tell the story well, you start to realize how much one person can affect so many others. And that's the best part about Forrest Gump. Is how many lives he touches. Just by living his own. And by being in his own story. I think it's beautiful. And I hope it's something that you guys realize too. That your life, your stories affect so many other people. And there's this huge background surrounding you from where you've lived to where you went to school to all these different things. There's so many people who pass in and out of your life who are going to go on and have whole other lives in whole other places. But if you're just simple and loving like Forrest was, you'd be surprised how many people you can touch in that time. And that's one of my favorite parts about Forrest Gump is just how many people he touches in his short little life and how much of history he touches. Because it's the beautiful thing about life, how fleeting it is, how short it is, but also how interconnected it is. So, last week we talked about Breaking Bad. We talked about how stories can start a conversation about things where you thought you might have made up your mind already. And this week, I hope you're left, when you think about Forrest Gump, that you're left with how much stories can touch. How much history, how much culture, how many people can be touched and And shown through the life and through one story, through the story of one little person, Forrest Gump. Through him, I I got to know a little bit about John Lennon and the Vietnam War and all these other things and Watergate scandal and and China and the tensions between the U.S. and China and all these different things through this one guy's story. Yet, I didn't really come to any conclusions on how I felt about any of those things. It was just kind of showing me that they were there and leaving the door for me to explore any of those things if I wanted to. So that's what stories can do. They can inspire people to explore. So I hope you're inspired to explore more the the more you listen to these stories that I tell about myself, about the Bible and about the movies that I talk about. So the other story I want to talk about is me in a boat with my family. It's a little short one, and it's funny because these are one of the stories that I don't actually remember as much as I'm told by my family. You know you have those stories that your family tells you a million times, and they tell you so much that you kind of feel like that you kind of feel like you remember it, but really, I was so young I actually forgot most of the story. But my grandfather likes, likes to tell me, and I love when my grandfather tells me stories. And he likes to tell the same stories a lot, so it's good. So it was me in a boat with my family. We were on a cruise ship, and we used to take big family vacations when we were young, and we'd have all the cousins and the aunts and the uncles together. And we were all on this cruise ship. We had gone out to dinner, and we were coming back. And it was like a three-story cruise or something like that, so we would go up and down on the elevators. I kind of remember the cruise more than I remember this event. But we go up and down on the elevators, and me and my cousin EJ, who's my best friend, um, one of my best friends, and still is, and we decided to go up and down on the elevators. We decided just to uh, go on a ride. Why not? When we were leaving dinner one night, so we start going up and down the elevators, and my family's not really paying attention. And all of a sudden, two little kids are gone. I don't know how old we we'll were, maybe five or six, but we start riding up and down on the elevators, having so much fun, and my family goes frantic looking for us. They're going up and down different elevators. They're running up and down stairs trying to find us. They're trying to figure out where we are. You know, they're probably thinking about calling the captain. I don't know at that time, but they were thinking that uh, we got two kids lost on this cruise and we need to find them. And so we're going up and down and they all are frantically looking for us and there's a big group of them. And finally, we end up on the same floor together and me and AJ step out of the elevator, not knowing that we had just caused this whole scene with my family when they're running up and down, calling people, trying to get in touch with everyone. And all I see is this frantically worried family looking at me. And they had that look of, you did something wrong. And I turned to my cousin EJ and I, think, and I said, EJ, I don't think it was a good idea that we took those elevators. And then we walked back to my family. And my grandfather just thought that last ending part to it was so funny when I, I stopped and I looked at EJ. And I said, I don't think that was a good idea. I love that story. I love it because it's just we're innocent we didn't know we were doing something wrong we just thought hey we're being this fun let's go ride the elevators that's my story about me for the day And like I said I think I might start a little more silly than it continues on in the future but in the future I'll go deeper and I'll tell you some more stories about especially stuff recently that's been happening in my life I'm there's not going to be any chronology with the stories that I tell about myself I'll tell up and down throughout my life because it's fun so, last week, what did we talk about when it came to Noah and the flood, right? We talked about, well, in Genesis there was the garden, there was Eden, there was Adam and Eve, and there was the fall of man because of uh, eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that like God commanded him not to do. There was a separation of God and man, man was banished from the garden, and then we have um, all these generations being born, and then we have this man Noah. This man Noah who's born, he's the only man who's following God. Um, while every other man is turned away. And it seems like their own sin, their own choices are starting to kill them and, and it's starting to corrupt the earth. And so God um, decides to flood the earth for whatever reason, to deal to deal with the sinfulness of man, to deal with the evil of man, that this was this was how God saw the way to do it. And so he flooded the earth and he commanded them to build a boat and save two animals of every kind, from the crawling creatures to the ones in the air. He commanded them to save them. And so they were on this boat. So that's where we're going to pick up. So after Noah and his family were resting on the water for 150 days, floating on the boat from place to place looking for dry land, but the earth was consumed. They came to rest on a mountain peak called Ararat. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. But, anyway. Two and a half months later, they saw two more peaks in the distance. So land started to appear, but it was still only the peaks of mountains. And then 40 more days went by, and Noah sent a raven. He sent a raven to scout the earth, to see if it would bring back anything. Nothing. Peaks had started to appear, but dry land had not appeared yet. Seven more days passed, and Noah sent a dove to look for land to find something. Nothing. Seven more days went by, and Noah sent another dove. But this time the dove came back with a fresh olive leaf. And Noah knew it must have almost been time. It must almost be time for the dry land to appear. Yet seven more days went by and Noah sent another dove. That this dove never came back. Noah knew the flood had ended. Noah was 601 when the flood ended. And it was the first day of the new year when the dove had didn't come back. The land was almost dried up. Noah saw this. Noah saw that it was so close to time. He was so ready to actually step onto the land for you see the land was there but it was still not livable. And there was two more months had gone by and finally it was dry. Then God said to Noah, leave with all of the people on the boat, the family you have brought. Leave with all the animals, the animals on the ground, the animals of the air, the animals that have come into this boat to find rest and peace. And go out to the earth All of the animals be fruitful and multiply. So the animals obeyed, and they came out of the boat pair by pair. And at that time, Noah made an altar, and he offered a burnt sacrifice, an animal that he had set aside, to offer a sacrifice to the Lord. And the Lord was pleased with the aroma of the sacrifice. He said, Never again will I curse the ground because of humans. Even though they are bent to evil from a young age, I will never destroy them all again. As long as the earth stands, and there's planting, and there's harvest, and there's cold, and there's heat, and there's summer, and there's winter, and there's day, and there's night. God blessed Noah and his sons. He told them to be fruitful and multiply. That all the animals would fear him, and that they would be placed in his power. That they would be food just as the vegetable was food. Just as the grains were food. But he warned them never to drink the lifeblood of the animal. And he warned anybody who would kill a human that the blood was required of them. Because you see, humans were made in God's image. So if a wild animal was to kill a person, they would die. Somebody, uh, a human who took another human life his life would have to be taken by human hands as well. For God said to Noah, I will confirm my covenant with all of you on the earth, with all life on the earth. Yes, I will never flood the earth again. I will never flood all life on earth again. Then God said, I will give a sign in the sky. It will be rainbows between the clouds. When I send the clouds over the land, and it rains, then the rainbow will come. when i see the rainbow i'll remember my covenant yes the rainbow is a sign of the covenant with every living thing so now i remember noah's had three sons shem ham and japheth ham had a son named canaan and from these three sons all the people of the earth came now noah he began to cultivate he made a garden he made wine but one night Noah got drunk off the wine that he had made. He fell asleep in his own tent naked, lying down. Ham came into his tent and he saw him naked. He was ashamed to see his father naked, but he went and told his brothers. So Ham and his brothers walked into the tent, both holding a sheet. And they had closed their eyes and looked the other way, and they walked backwards so they could cover their father with the sheet without um, being ashamed and seeing his nakedness. For he see, nakedness was not shame. Because of Adam. The next morning his father heard what had happened. What had happened after his drunken stupor. And Noah cursed Canaan. His son. The son of Ham. He cursed him and said may Canaan be cursed. May he be the lowest servant to all the relatives. Then Noah said may the Lord God be blessed. And may Canaan be a servant. Expand the territories of Japheth. Let him share his prosperity with Shem and let Canaan be the Lord's servant. Noah, for 350 years more, after this day he lived. And then, when he was more than 950 years old, he died. So the sons of Noah had descendants. Japheth had descendants, and they had started tribes. Ham had descendants, and he started tribes. Shem had descendants, and they started tribes. But you see, each tribe had a national identity, a language, a territory. Well, there was a time when the people had one language. So what happened? Well, the people went to the east to Babylonia. They said to each other, Let's make bricks and harden them with fire. Let's make a city and a great tower to reach the skies. It will make us famous. But the Lord came down. He saw these people. He said, Look, they are united. They have one language. Nothing is impossible for them. Let us confuse them with different languages, so they wouldn't understand each other. And so because they couldn't understand each other, they began to be scattered all over the earth. And that's why the city was called Babel. For there the language was confused. Now when Shem's family was dispersed in the earth, because of all the different languages, they settled and had ten generations of children born, until the tenth generation when Terah was born. Terah, whose name means... although it's actually kind of unsure what the name means, was the father of a man called Abram. And Abram means high father. He was also the father of Nahor, which means snorting. He was also the father of Haran, which means mountaineer. Haran died young in the land of Ur, the land of his birth, the land where Terah had settled. Nahor and Abraham actually both got married. Nahor got married to his wife Milcah, and Abram to his wife, Sarah. Sarah was barren. So Terah took his family from the land of Ur where they had settled, where their son Haran had died. He took Abram, he took his sons, and even took his grandchild Lot, the son of Haran, his son who had died in the land of Ur. And they moved from Ur and they went to Canaan, a new land. But as they were heading to Canaan, they settled in a land called Haran, the same name as his son who had died. Tura settled there, and he died there. So these families were together. They were settled in this land, the families of Abram and the families of Nahor. But the Lord had said to Abram, He said, Leave your native country, leave your relatives, leave your father's family, and go to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make you famous among all the land. I will make it so that you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. All the families of the earth will be blessed through you. So Abram departed as God had commanded him. He was 75 when he left. He left with his wife Sarah and his nephew Lot. All his wealth, his livestock, his employees, all the people who were in his house, they left. And he set out to a land called Canaan. All right, that's the story for this week. It's interesting. It's even interesting for me to go through these stories again and read them again and remember things and see details that I hadn't noticed. And I hope you enjoyed talking about Forrest Gump today. Hope you enjoyed talking about my time on cruise ships. And hope you enjoyed talking about Genesis and the story of Abram. Yeah, I hope this podcast is always something for you that is fun to listen to and, and gives you maybe a new perspective on storytelling and why I love and why stories can impact um, people so much and why I love stories so much I hope this doesn't feel like me trying to uh, throw all my ideas and and everything that I am at you and trying to convince you of things but I hope it's me just opening up because that is I think the most beautiful thing about a story is that it opens up the teller and it opens up the listener So thanks so much for listening this week, and we'll be back next week um, going through more of Genesis. And give me some suggestions on movies or TV shows that you'd like to hear um, because I'm kind of open to anything. And if anybody – if you want to get involved in this podcast at all, doing anything with it, let me know. I'm always open to ideas, and I could always use help because I'm definitely not technology savvy so or technologically savvy. Um, I can't even say it, so anyway. Bye, guys.